Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I found spend, try, doing what I call a spend nothing day was really helpful for kind of, it's almost like going back to ground zero. Mm-hmm. And then if you are determined to get through a day and spend no money other than like literally no money, you know, try and walk to work if you can. Yeah. Um, take food out of your kitchen cupboard. I think that find, you find it really easy to notice your triggers because you're just not, you're having to say no to every single one. So you can yeah. start to go, oh yeah, why do I always spend three quid on a coffee and a biscuit every morning? Or why am I, yeah. and, and analyze what's that doing for you? What's the emotion really? Is it because you're always stressed? Is it because you need a break from your desk? You know, there are, and there are other ways often to, um, I guess, play to that emotion that isn't just spending. Yeah. So if it's because you're bored at work and you want, you know, you just want to go outside, you can just go outside and not buy a coffee. Hello and welcome to the Wannabe podcast. I'm your host, Imri. Wannabe is the podcast that takes you from where you are right now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for staying subscribed and listening in. You can subscribe for free and catch a brand new 30-minute episode every Wednesday. And if you're enjoying this episode, tell a friend, tweet me at Wannabe Podcast, and screenshot and tag at Wannabe Podcast in your Insta stories. I'm so excited about today's episode. This week's guest is Alex Holder. Alex is a journalist and brand consultant who writes for Elle, Grazia, Refinery29 and The Guardian, among others. Her projects have been featured everywhere from the BBC to The New Yorker, while her campaign highlighting the gender pay gap went viral and helped change the actual law. Her work has been taught in schools and debated in Parliament. She has been named one of Business Insider's 30 Most Creative Women Globally and listed by The Evening Standard as one of today's five inspiring female leaders. Alex is the author behind the incredible book, Open Up, The Power of Talking About Money. In today's episode, we obviously talk about, well, money. Alex breaks down the importance of discussing money in your relationship, if one of you earns more than the other, how to overcome the shame of talking about money, budgeting best practices, plus you'll learn one fun way to start chatting about money with your friends. Why did you start talking about money? Um... Uh, a few reasons. So firstly, I realized how many conversations with my friends were inauthentic because the money bit was missing. Mm-hmm. So I just you can't advise a friend on kind of changing careers or whether they should move in with their boyfriend of six months to save on rent or how to make a breakup fair without discussing the money bit. Yeah. And I mean, the kind of figures of the money bit. Yeah. Um. So I started to bring them in and kind of not shy away from them and even though it was a tiny bit awkward at first I realized that the conversations I was having were just kind of better and deeper and um my relationship with my friends felt a little bit more honest what were the questions you were asking them specifically were you really just blunt with it or did you try to like gently beat around the bush and me so a personal experience I had was um I was working full-time in an advertising agency, earning a really good salary. And I realized that it was making me really unhappy. Not Mm -hmm. the salary exactly, but the work. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go to work every day. And yeah, I'd spent 12 years in that career. I kind of 
you know, I'd worked so hard to get that job. Mm -hmm. And so to leave it both emotionally, it was, it was my identity at the time being a creative director. Um, so to leave it meant a lot, but also to leave it meant giving up a salary. And I'd never known, I didn't know what it was like to be a freelancer. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I was kind of at an all time confidence low. So I didn't even know what work I might do afterwards, whether yeah. I would get work. And to make that decision, I had to chat to my friends and for their to advice to mean anything, I had to kind of say, this is how much my rent costs every month. Mm -hmm. This is how much my childcare costs. I've got a three-year-old son. Um, this is what I'm earning at the moment. This is what I could potentially earn, but I don't know. Yeah. And kind of lay out, like, quite literally, the meat of my money. Yeah. And through that conversation, one, just saying the figures out loud, even if they didn't respond to those figures, kind of made me realize what I thought about them or how, you know, how safe I felt, or how scary the move was going to be. Yeah. Also, they could, you know, say to me, actually, if you go and do that job for a few weeks, you could earn this amount and maybe you could, should speak to that person about getting work. Yeah. Um, and money was just part of it. It wasn't the whole conversation. It was just a bit of it. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I think I've always been relatively comfortable talking about money. Um, mostly, I think it's easy, like you said in the book, actually, you say it quite a lot, that it's actually a lot easier to talk about money when you don't have it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm wondering if that like travels across all people where you found that actually poorer people were like, I'm skint, or they're more quick to admit that they don't have it. Um, amongst their own social groups or social uh, among their own peers because when I don't have it I'm like I'm broke I'm not going I'm not going mm -hmm. it I'm not going out I find that a lot of my friends are like soz can't make it to dinner can we stay in um because we just know like I, maybe it's maybe it's my friends <laughs> that are just a bit like open about the fact that things are really hard this month I'm not going to go out but I don't know if we've ever discussed actual figures but I've definitely had to admit to friends like I have 10 pounds in the bank this month like genuinely I can't leave my house um I think you often find whole friendship groups um more easy at talking about it because often it just takes one person to say I can't afford to do that yeah and there's like a collective sigh of relief and everyone's like thank god because we don't want to pay you know we don't want to go to an expensive restaurant either let's just stay in yeah watch a film and drink a bottle of wine um so I think it does often take one brave person to say um and also what I found, and it was kind of the most surprising thing out of talking to hundreds of people about how they felt about the money they earned and the money they spent, was that shame, the emotion shame increased the more people earned. Mm. So they felt um, uncomfortable talking about money often if they earned it or if they felt like they were earning more than their friends. Ah, uh, yes. Which is interesting. That is really interesting, but also kind of makes sense. Especially I think, yeah, it definitely makes sense. I think in a world of gaping wealth inequality where the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer uh, to kind of I guess feel some individual shame and unjust about about you know being one earning. of the rich ones yeah. and earning money makes sense yeah I think um I think I was reading Jen Sincero's You're a Badass at Making Money mm -hmm. um to overcome my own money woes and there is something to knowing that you have more money than your friends psychologically and also holding really negative views about rich people at the same time mm. um and then that causing quite a lot of like weird shame because you want money you want to pursue money you want to do it openly but also you genuinely feel like rich people are greedy or don't care about people or all of these really negative things so then you don't really want to be rich and then you do things that actively kind of 
push you further away from acquiring. It jeopardized yeah. getting money. Yeah, so I found myself engaging in like self-sabotaging behaviors where I'm like, oh, this job's on the table and I probably could get it. It pays really well, but I'm really uncomfortable earning that much money and why mm-hmm. am I uncomfortable with that? And there is that shame of like, oh, but if I earn like 40K or 60K, what does that then mean for me? And what does, who am I that, per- who who am I at that salary? Yeah. And like this whole idea of it changing identities. Um, there are a few things weird. going on there because I think right now the term rich is almost an insult mm. and I understand why because I think we associate the word rich with people that have been greedy and they're so let's say take Philip Green or you know another businessman that is earning a lot of money and their business model almost relies on people earning very little mm-hmm. and I think that kind of greed I don't agree with personally um but like you said, everyone does want to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, subjectively, if you ask, if, if, in fact, when I did ask people, do you want to make more money? Generally, in fact, the answer was pretty much always yes. yes. <laughs> um, and yeah. people also, um, if you ask someone kind of what to define what rich is, they generally always say what double the, the amount that they have. So someone on 30 grand a year would think someone on 60 grand a year is rich and a millionaire would think someone with two million pounds is rich. Yeah. I found that the most surprising thing actually in the book um, where you ask rich people what, whether they felt they were rich and they were like, no. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you have literally everything. You don't worry about it at all. And it was just so surprising that they just felt like, oh no, the next person along and it's just this like never ending ladder. Yeah, because if you're aim is just to get more money then you will always want more because there is always more to get and rich is also really relative you know you feel rich compared to the people immediately around you Mm -hmm. and often someone who's earning a good salary is working for someone who is earning double their salary so they have quite literally in their eye line every single day at work someone who's earning more money yeah um and that i took from all the conversations i had with people that i consider very rich uh that they're not they're not any happier they really aren't so I would it's one thing (laughs) no everyone should be paid their worth I don't think anyone should feel guilty about wanting to be rich as long as like I say their business model doesn't depend on other people and being very poor Mm -hmm. um but the pursuit of wealth as it as the the only end goal I didn't see making anyone happy what does make people happy did you find that at all I think um a concept of enough so and enough being For me, it's kind of what I feel secure with. Mm -hmm. And for my security, it's to pay um, my mortgage. Now, own a flat through the bank of mum and dad. Um, Handy. To pay my childcare, to be able to run around London and not have to really, you know, to be able to jump on the tube um, and meet my friends with coffee without without having to really worry about it. Mm -hmm. But it's not having, you know, I no longer kind of lust after things that I'm never going to have, like that second home in France or... Um, or even, you know, just thinking I could, could, should be able to go on holiday at the drop of a hat or have those shoes because actually I find the security of um, remaining in budget <laughs> a kind of genuinely like a greater thrill and um, I, get, I feel like I get more endorphins than oh, interesting. spending loads of money. I find that I get like a weird endorphin rush from my money box app now and yes. just seeing how my investments are doing and being like, oh my gosh, why has it gone down? But not being like up super upset about it. Just like accepting that my money is going to go up and down sometimes. It's like a little metaphor for life. Like sometimes you've got it and you're like doing really well. And sometimes it's just not there. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually not dead. So it's fine. Um, but also like because 
I was very lucky from my, so in advertising, which is the industry I kind of work through, um, that I got to the top, you know, what was considered the top job in an agency. I was made partner at 30. And it didn't, thank you. It <laughs> didn't make me happy though. And I, look, I'm very lucky to have been able to see that side and mm-hmm. to get to the top and go, oh, is this it? And, you know, to your point about kind of pushing away those jobs that um, pay you a lot of money going, but do I deserve to be paid that? Well, there is, there is like a stress and a, um, a burden that kind mm-hmm. of comes from earning so much money. You do feel like you have to give more of your life to it. Yeah. And actually, I've now accepted that I'm not going to earn more and more each year, which is a, has been a strange turning point because I guess we're told at school, it's almost like you're on a trajectory, aren't you? It's a yeah. career ladder and you go work your way up it. And actually, I now I'm earning less than I was a few years ago. Um, I'm earning even less than I was just last year. I've just kind of and that's OK. Like you yeah. say, it will go up and down. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to go back to budgeting because that Mm. is like a topic. Um, I don't think anyone young... I actually know quite a few young people that did it really, really well. And people at uni that just saved all of their bursary money. And then there were people like me who spent it all and left uni with absolutely nothing. So, or minus nothing. So budgeting for anyone, what does it really mean to budget? How do we budget effectively? Um, Yeah, just how do we budget effectively? Okay, so I'm going to take it right back to basics. So this is definitely not educating those people that left money with their student loans in a... I left with £4,000 of debt. Yeah, I left with a lot of debt. A couple of separate overdrafts. And um, Mm. whoever would give me me credit, basically, I took it. Uh, And that's actually the really damaging thing, I think, about sometimes that people go to, when they go to university, I will come on to budgeting, but when you go to university, you're immediately offered debt. And so debt becomes really normalized at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And a really sad thing is that the poorer you are, like the the lower your parents' income the more money you're allowed to borrow. So the poorest students leave with the most debt. Yeah. Um, but going back to budgeting. <laughs> so at the most basic level, budgeting is knowing what you have to spend. So it's looking at the money you earn. Oh, okay. Yep. Sure. <laughs> it's Didn't looking even know at that, the money so you earn. Um, I was, I was bad with money. As we <laughs> were saying earlier, people feel very easy to identify with bad with money, but not with good, good with money. But to be good with money and budget. So knowing what you have to spend. So literally looking at what you earn. Mm-hmm. I find it easiest to do it month by month. I think most people do. And then looking at your absolute outgoings. Go, going out, whatever you do. So your rent, mm-hmm. um, however you get to work. 
your very basic food costs, your bills, because it's amazing how many people are surprised by council tax when we know. I mean, I don't get me wrong, we all are, but yeah. we know it's coming out like, you know, or surprised by a direct debit like their mobile phone bill that leaves every single month. Yeah. Um, so it's adding up all those things. Mm-hmm. And then it's the money you have left with you can budget or create a spending plan as uh, financial therapists or people <laughs> that like to coach you through money call it. Um, and then I think a really good budget. And it's one thing that I noticed that this is what I saw as in increased people's happiness levels were people that were able to connect the money they had with the things they really want. Mm. So if you're mindlessly spending that money all the time and not really thinking about where it's going and not adding it up and never looking at your bank account, Mm -hmm. you're probably less appreciative of the things it's buying and you're probably much more likely to go to spend over. So I think to stick to a budget is to look at your bank account every day Mm. Yep. And if you're scared to look at it, Imri, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then it's even more uh, necessary that you should look at it. Yep. Mm. Um, <laughs> and look, some people are going to sp- not keep in budget because literally what they need for their absolute basic needs is not covered by what's incoming. Yeah. I was wondering, actually, during your kind of research phase, did you find people that just kept spending just because... It just because it made them feel better and and how do they how do you help someone like that and what do they do oh it's really difficult so people have lot so many people have asked me how to help a friend that they think is in a really unhealthy relationship with spending um and I think it's really easy to judge people we think are in an unhealthy relationship with spending mm. um so if you feel like you i I found Spend try, doing what I call a spend nothing day was really helpful for kind of it's almost like going back to ground zero. Mm-hmm. And then if you are determined to get through a day and spend no money other than like literally no money, you know, try and walk to work if you can. Yeah. Um, take food out of your kitchen cupboard. I think that find you find it really easy to notice your triggers because you're just not you're having to say no to every single one. So you can yeah. start to go, oh yeah, why do I always spend? three quid on a coffee and a biscuit every morning or why am I and and analyze what's that doing for you what's the emotion really is it because you're always stressed is it because you need a break from your desk you know there are and there are other ways often to um I guess play to that emotion that isn't just spending yeah so if it's because you're bored at Mm -hmm. work and you want you know you just want to go outside you can just go outside and not buy a coffee yeah and then in terms of advising a friend I think we're in a really um we're in a quite a I hate this idea that lots of friends encourage each other to spend money. Yeah. Like you think about when a friend shows you a jumper, your kind of a natural reaction is to go, oh my God, it's great on you. You deserve it. Buy it. Yeah. It's almost like you want to compliment them by telling them they're worth it. Um, and I think we should stop doing that. So what, what do we say instead? Um, do you, do don't, you don't you have <laughs> a jumper like that? Exactly the same one. <laughs> um, what could you spend the money on instead? Do you really need it? Why are you buying it? Can you afford it? You know, if someone's asking, especially if someone is asking you, yeah, should I get this? So I think, and it all, and also respecting a friend. If a friend says, I can't afford to come out, um, like you sound like you're in a really healthy friendship group, but so many other friends would go, oh, go on, come out. It's or, only a tenner. Oh, it's only, yeah. I've had that. I've had someone say like, why don't you just get an Uber to where we're going to be? And I was like, I don't have Uber money. They're like, yeah, but it's only 10 quid. I'm like, I literally I have, have £9.76 yeah. in my bank right now. Like, 
I don't have Uber money. Like I don't have it. Um, so I got the bus and was like five minutes late and it wasn't the end of the world. So <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah, definitely can encourage so... more people to uh, well, be it's... more respectful of when someone says, I actually can't. Yeah, don't make do them it. repeat it five times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, there's, I mean, there's stats that show, so in any friendship group, oft, uh, say there's a, f- a group of five people, two of those people will be getting into debt to take part in group activities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like we, sp- and this is why I also think we need to talk about money because it's only by talking about it do you truly understand your friends' positions and situations and who might be a bit more stressed than usual or who's got, you know, job worries or yeah. or debt. Because, yeah, when you share, rather than guessing someone's financial situation or presuming a tenor is is nothing to someone and they've got it, you 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 don't know that unless you ask them. Yeah, yeah, and you. There were some suggestions in the book around starting the conversation and bringing it up among your friendship groups. Groups. What was one of the ways that people should do that in on mass? Oh, and um, the money salon. Yes, <laughs> I was like reading that. I was like, oh, this sounds tense, actually. <laughs> It's quite, um, so the money salon for everyone listening is, um, where you get together with your friends around your like kitchen table with some crisp and dips and maybe a bottle of white wine in the middle. I don't want to encourage alcohol, but, um, (laughs) with the express kind of reason of talking about money and I've done it a few times with my friends. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Like we don't always go completely into figures. So mm-hmm. in the two times I've done it, we haven't actually all laid out our, you know, our salaries. But things that came from it were, I mean, we'd gossip about how various people might spend their money in a kind of like, do you notice that they always have this designer bag, which is interesting in itself, and we've allowed yeah. ourselves to do it in this kind of safe space. Um, it was only in one of these money salons that my friends realized how much I have to spend on childcare just to go out to work every day which I think at the time it was like £1,400. And that is a very... That's rent. That is, that, and that is, that is a cheap nursery down the road from, you know, 9 till 5.30, four days a week. It's not even full time. Yeah. That is what childcare in London costs. And how would you know, like you don't know that now. And how would you know it without someone telling you? Yeah. And that, I think that was a really great conversation for us to have. I think, I feel like they left knowing something more about their future life maybe. And yeah. I actually want to talk about money and relationships a little bit because mm-hmm. I think the disparity between some people, mm-hmm. um, the partners that they're with or the partners that they tend to be with can be an interesting one because often I don't think I've ever been in a relationship where I've had to talk about money until the one I'm in right now where he has way more money than me and it makes me so uncomfortable. I sat for two weeks and it like almost broke the relationship because I was just so incapable of talking about money. I was like... I don't understand. And how was it affecting your relationship? Did you, was... I felt like in many ways I was making, I felt in my head, okay, wait, he has way more money than me. Um, He's a little bit older than me. And he made like, like there would be comments. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Well, maybe he should. Um, There'll be like comments, like off the cuff things like, oh, why don't you just do this? Or can we split this? And I'm like, I don't have that. I definitely don't have that money. So... And there'd be things that he'd pay for or feel very comfortable paying Mm -hmm. for that made me just like really uncomfortable. But when we went to dinner once, he asked, oh, are you comfortable with the prices on this? Because I know you don't have as much money as me. And I just felt immediate shame and embarrassment. And I was like, 
oh, I don't, I don't like this. Was <laughs> that like because this. a money conversation was forced and ultimately you, you're not used to having them? Unless, you, like you say, you're talking to a friend who's in a similar situation where yeah. you both say, we can't afford to do this. Yeah, so with friends, it's so easy for me to be like, no, thank you, that's way too expensive. Um, and I actually, what happened was I went around him so I spoke to my best friend about the fact that I can't speak to him about this money thing mm -hmm. and I was like I saw a bank balance it's made me very uncomfortable I don't know what to do I don't want to say I've seen it because I was tidying up and I wasn't being snoopy but also ah and she was like have you spoken to him about why you're so uncomfortable about this and I was like I have not and then we did force the issue I don't know if it's necessarily made it better I'm still like still very uncomfortable with the difference and like just how easy it is for him to just be like yes let's just do this and I'm like no no well that's <laughs> no money in the bank <laughs> it feels Still. like yeah if two people in a partnership earn different amounts it it can be difficult to kind of come together as because when you join a relationship one you expect it's like what's mine is yours is mm. the expectation um and that already is quite a loaded sentence but also money brings with it power yeah so presumably if he's earning more money, or the person that's can take over from your relationship, <laughs> yes, um, the person that's earning more money um, often has more agency over what you're doing. You know, they can choose any restaurant to eat out in. They can it it can be very easy for them to just suggest, let's just go to the cinema tonight, or let's yeah. go and do that. And obviously, if you have less money in your budgeting and you've got to think about your priorities, you don't have that freedom. Yeah. Ultimately, what you're looking for is a respect of each other's situation. So one, you might have someone who, the person who earns less might have to respect that they can spend more and, yeah. and be okay with that. Um, as long as that doesn't um, mean that they have more control. Yes. Because that's never allowed. But respect can only come, and they should respect that the person that has, the person that has more has to respect that the person who has less can't spend money as freely as them. Yeah. But respect can only come from understanding and understanding can only come from conversation. Right. And it ultimately, they're probably, I bet, if you or someone else <laughs> has a conversation, um, yeah, there's that initial awkwardness of just having a money conversation because in, in the society we live in, we don't have money conversations very often. And this means that they are more uncomfortable than they need to be. Definitely. Um, money as a subject isn't intrinsically shameful. It's not. It's a kind of society. Society has told us it's a shameful thing. Mm -hmm. Society has told us that our salary and what we have is so tied to our status and identity that, you know, it means more than it does. It doesn't. It's just figures that you, that two people are trying to balance out. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to be together. Well, with I think different amounts of money. Well, I mean, he, it sounds like he's prompting money conversations as well. Or it, he really likes talking about money. <laughs> which also, you know, you might literally be like, I'm not that interested in it, so I don't want to talk about it. But if it's causing issues in your relationship, you have to talk about it. Mm. And I think the point at which, at which you have to talk about money in a relationship is when you're making financial decisions together. Mm -hmm. And especially if either of those financial decisions are slightly out of one of your comfort zone. And a financial decision is what restaurant to eat at yeah and it can also be shall we go on holiday and where shall we go mm -hmm. if two people come together and they earn exactly the same amount and they have exactly the same attitude towards spending and saving mm -hmm. then maybe they'll never have to discuss money but that's just so rare yeah <laughs> that doesn't happen although I've always been like someone that out earned my partners generally speaking 
um not by much I wasn't like balling in money I was just mm-hmm. just happened to earn more or I was in more stable work mm-hmm. um so I've never yeah it just never came up because I either I've actually just been the one spending it <laughs> um and I think yeah there's something in the power dynamic of that like being able to just make the decision just being like it's okay I'll, I'll pay <laughs> I've got it yeah but and also you probably you felt comfortable in that position obviously and maybe you know Maybe, <laughs> I don't, don't want to bring it back to you. But maybe the person you're dating just feels cool about it too. And you're sat there stressing about it and you'll have a conversation and you'll go, oh, okay. You know, yeah. yeah if You can also lay it out. It's like, so you only have to have the conversation once. If we eat in places like this or are spending this amount of money, that isn't something I can freely do. So either we can eat in these places <laughs> or you can pay. And then you have to judge whether the respect and like I said, that, idea of control um yeah remains kind of in balance thanks alex um i'm sure other people i hope can relate to my particular unique situation and that this wasn't just therapy for me so <laughs> um i can't be no the it only, comes up it comes up so much i can't be the only person that's like earning less than their significant other that's just it's a very common thing i imagine um but yeah like having the conversation is really uncomfortable i can attest to it being so I remember sweating um, and just being like, I don't know how to say these words and now I'm really uncomfortable and I don't want to talk about this anymore. So let's move on. Um, that's how I felt in that moment. And I, I it has to come up again because uh, we are moving in together. Oh, and then you have a, to talk about there's it. There's a big like, oh, how much rent am I going to pay and how much rent are you going to pay and how many, how much bills? There's and... a formula in my book for this. Oh, I'm so excited because I'm actually in the relationship chapter at the moment. I was like, this has been like, I've genuinely been devouring this book. I have not wanted to put it down. Um, So definitely recommend that everyone gets Open Up the Power of Talking About Money by Alex. It's so good. Um, What is one small thing that the listeners right now can do to basically feel immediately better about their financial positions? Next time money comes up in conversation, don't immediately bat it away. So don't kind of divert the conversation. So if someone says, oh my God, I just got a pay rise. You can just sit, just carry, let the conversation carry on. You don't really go, oh, congratulations. Okay, and I'm moving on because that's generally what we do. Mm. Um, if you were prepared to go one step further, go and have a conversation about money. I really, pe- people feel very alone in their money situations. Mm-hmm. I think the... Well, I know the average debt in this country is £8,000 per individual, and that's not including mortgage. So that's loans, credit cards, overdraft. And people often feel like they're the only person in debt, or, you know, they're the only person in this friendship group. All their friends are fine yeah. because of the nature of life today, and that we project a kind of very, I'm fine. Um, I think if people, if you're stressed about money, try and share it. As we saw with the mental health conversation in recent years, talking it's not it's not the complete solve for everything but it's definitely a way to feel less alone it liberates the individual you know we know from people feeling willing to kind of share you know stories about postnatal depression or feeling anxiety that there has been a birth of resources and I feel like we're getting there with money yeah um know that money is really is intrinsically linked to mental health so if you're stressed about money you're probably you're probably, you know, ultimately a daily stress about money is a mental health problem. It definitely is. It's definitely triggered depression among me and my peers, for sure. There's no doubt about it. So, And, I've, and I think it's such a shame that you, at that time you wouldn't have felt that you could have shared that with someone. So again, I feel like 
go and have a money conversation is the first, is the yeah. one tip. The second thing is um, look at your bank <laughs> account. <laughs> bank digitally. Make sure your everyone should be banking digitally. <laughs> your um, yeah. So by banking digitally, I mean with a bank account like Monzo or Starling or Revolut or N26. There's four. Um, those bank accounts let you see your money in a very ordered way. So you know exactly how much you've spent on Uber, Ubers per month or Deliveroo. Um, you, yeah, and they they remind you when everything is coming up. And why wouldn't you use technology to kind of help you? Agreed. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. And I will be plugging your book in the outro. So don't worry about that. Thanks, Imri. Honestly, I could have chatted to Alex for about two hours about money. She might just have to come back for a second episode. You simply must get a copy of her book, Open Up, The Power of Talking About Money. I honestly could not put it down. You can follow Alex on Twitter and Instagram at Alexander Holder. That's A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E-H-O-L-D-E-R. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening via the Apple Podcast app, please do me the small favour of spending five seconds to leave a rating and a review. Also, do get your career brand and marketing questions in for the mailbag episode at the end of this season. You can do this via wannabepodcast.com where all of my contact information is available or you can just leave a comment on our Instagram post or just tweet us at wannabepodcast. If you like how this podcast is made and you think that you can do what I do or you just want to, then reach out to the Shoutout Network to find out about membership. Visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Also, don't forget that the Shoutout Network's content is Queen Women's Podcast Festival is coming up on May 18th in London. If you're a woman interested in starting a podcast, and even if you're not a woman and you are just very interested in podcasting, please do feel free to come along. Tickets are available under early bird specials until April 8th and they're under a tenner for some amazing workshops led by some phenomenal, phenomenal women. So please do go get your tickets at solivefestival.com and please, it's going to be such a sick day. I'm so excited about it. I put a lot of work into it, so please do make sure you check it out. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast and I will catch you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.